0: Hello and welcome to Unmute with PRCAI, a unique podcast series that seeks through conversations with business leaders and change makers to understand the narrative of a bold new India. This podcast is powered by AdFactors PR and I'm Niret Alva. At various points, I've been a TV journalist, director, producer, anchor and educator. Our guest today describes herself as an investor, a storyteller and an entrepreneur. She graduated from Delhi's Lady Srisram College with a degree in English Literature got married, moved to London, and started a career as a freelance writer. That was in 2001. In 2023, with Dean's Honours, she got an MBA from Columbia Business School and the London School of Business. I'm going to stop here for a moment and welcome to Unmute Priyanka Gill. Priyanka, welcome to Unmute.
1: Hi, nice to be here, uh, Nirat
0: actually reading about you and what you've been doing, it's really difficult to keep track of all the things that you're doing. Uh, There's the good media companies. And now that even that doesn't seem to make your plate full enough. There is the Spotify podcast, Dream Build Scale. There is CXXO. There is Thai Delhi, many charities you give to and are associated with. There's Angel Investing, and there's investing in modern art. Give us a brief overview of these many different worlds that you inhabit. So
1: CXXO is something extremely close uh, to me and uh, what I really believe in. So in 2020, when I moved back to London, the merger had just happened. We were all kind of in the throes of the pandemic. I remember emailing Vani Kola, who is the MD of Kalari Capital, uh, one of the first investors in Popexo, and also my mentor, and it was a simple email saying, hey, you know, what do we do for uh, to encourage other female entrepreneurs? And uh, she's like, yeah, sure. And then she set up the standing Saturday uh, to our uh, kind of call where we would basically try and do that. All my brunch plans that I would have went out of the window at that point. And uh, we try to figure out what can we do to make sure that the next generation of unicorns are female-led and female-founded. And that was CXXO, which is a a Kalari fund that only invests in female-led ventures. And uh, Vani put aside $10 million to put into such companies. I am the founding board member of of CXXO. And it's really uh, good to see how other young female entrepreneurs are using CXXO as a platform to further their ambitions and dreams. So that I'm really proud of what we've done with it. And it's growing from strength to strength, and hopefully, it will birth the next generation of female unicorn founders. Thai Delhi is again one of those organizations where which has really helped me over the course of my entrepreneurial journey. So it's uh, it basically is there to support entrepreneurs. And I remember when I was like a really kind of young founder running a small platform, they'd always make sure I got some space on some stage to come and tell my story and that was invaluable in helping me get getting better at telling the story and to putting me in front of a large audience who was who's there to listen to what i had to say so i really felt i am deeply connected to to, uh, to tai delhi NCR. And, and when they invited me to join their board uh i think it was last year maybe the year before i was more than happy to do it I'm actually co-chairing the India Internet Day, which is happening now uh, in August this year. And again, trying to give platforms to other founders to tell us about what uh, they are building for themselves and for the country as well. So just, in a way, just trying to give back to the ecosystem as much as I can. And of course, the investments and everything else, those happen on the side. It's kind of, it's fun to do. But of all the things that you mentioned, those two are extremely good to me because i feel like give back when i uh, do things like that and then of course dream build scale is the passion project it came out of one of my mba exercises they're like make a vision for the next five years what are you going to do next i couldn't think of anything else i said hey i'll start a podcast and then that podcast basically became dream build scale and i've had a lot of fun doing it because i get to be where you are asking the questions and uh, Mostly, I've spoken to friends who've had great journeys. And it's incredible how much people open up when you put a mic in front of them. So we've uh, done around, uh, I think it's 13 episodes so far. We've taken a break for a bit. And now we'll be coming back with the second season of Pre Build Scale.
0: Okay. Thanks for that. Let's shift focus from what you do to you, the person. Do you think women lead differently to men?
1: Absolutely. I think all of us, men, Women do lead differently from men. And as individuals, all of us are unique leaders as well. So uh, that is there for sure. But uh, I think there's a degree of, it's a cliche, but it is true, of multitasking that women bring into their approach to whatever they're doing. Because by uh, we are multitaskers in, at, any, at any given point in our lives, right? So I think that's why it makes us better leaders in different ways. And in terms of empathy, I feel that it comes more easily to women uh, when you're leaders because men don't realize how it is hard for women to actually lead, right? Because you live in a man's world and it is a man's world out there. As women, we are forced to kind of confront different realities at different points of time, which helps us actually become more empathetic when we are in a position to kind of take charge or lead the organization as well. So yeah, so women are different. I think difference is a good thing. It is to be celebrated. You need both to make anything successful But yeah, I think women make great leaders.
0: Yeah, actually, you took away from my next question, which was many studies say women are better at multitasking than men, especially in leadership roles. And I I think that's true. I mean, I've seen that over and over again. Uh, So you answered my question already. What's your personal leadership style? How would you describe your personal leadership style, the way you lead?
1: I think I've had time to introspect on that. And I am... a tough, but I feel a fair leader. Um, I like to see my team do extremely well, not just for the organization, but for themselves. So uh, working closely with people, making sure that they're getting the learnings that they need to get, making sure they're getting the responsibilities that need to grow, and then letting them have their space. I think that's kind of the style that I have evolved into today. For example, like my team that started PopExo with me uh, 10 years ago, and they joined me at different points, maybe six years, years, years ago or seven years ago, they are still with me today. And today they are in uh, positions of power uh, and leadership at a $1.2 billion company at the Goodlam Group. And these were kids, you know, literally 20 20 23-year-old kids when I met them uh, so many years ago. So I feel that that for me is a way of kind of showing that my leadership style actually speaks to that. How can I uh, make space for the people who are working, who I am working with? How can they scale up as well? And how can they too get the benefit of whatever that we're building up together? And because of that, we are deeply connected. We do really uh, watch out for each other. We have each other's back. And you can't really put a price on that, right? Having worked with these uh, the same team for so many years, we know each other inside out. If I'm saying something, they know exactly what I'd like to do. And it makes life a lot easier.
0: Okay. Um, Who, what do you look to for inspiration, Priyanka? What's your source of inspiration?
1: Yeah, so I'm continually inspired, right? Which is what would explain this very diverse and eclectic uh, sets of things that I do.
0: Okay. Um, Given the things that you do in many worlds that you juggle, people could be forgiven for wondering how you strike a work-life balance. How do you do that? What is your advice to people who are leading really busy lives?
1: I don't think work-life balance actually exists. I think it's uh, a matter of focus on what you're doing right now that really matters. Uh, all of us have been given the same 24 hours in the day, right? And with the, the same 24 hours, you have someone like Elon Musk, who's running multiple billion dollar companies. With the same 24 hours, you had, you've had someone like, say, uh, Bill Gates, who kind of uh, created kind of immense value for everyone else. Right. You have a Priyanka Chopra who is basically kind of doing everything in the world that is possible. So all of us have the same trend for us. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we're making the most of the time that we have. Now, if that is my kind of founding uh, belief, then I do have to make the most of the time that I've been given. And uh, balance comes from a way of deciding, hey, right now I'm doing this podcast. I'm going to be 100 percent present. Give it the best that I can. After this, I'm going to get ready. I'm meeting some friends for lunch. After that, I'm going to come back. I'm going to spend time with my kids. And then maybe it's time to kind of spend uh, time just with myself and catching up on work. So just in those pockets of time, I make sure I'm fully present. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm getting out the most that I can. And that for me actually is a definition of work-life balance. There are days when I'm only working and my family would understand. There are days when I say, hey, guys, today I'm done. And I just want to chill with my kids. And then at that point, work also does understand as well, right? So just making sure you're getting enough of what you want in the larger scheme of things. But in the short term, one thing might be more important than the other. And that's perfectly okay.
0: Tell us a little bit about your family and what they think of all the things that you do and the different worlds that you inhabit.
1: My family is uh, fantastic. And they have been my biggest supporters and cheerleaders. Without that, none of this is possible. I do uh, come from a place of privilege where I have a support system around me that allows me to be and do things, right? Which a lot of people don't have that. And I'm very, very uh, aware of the privilege. And again, I try and make the most of uh, the time I have because of it because I feel I do owe it to everyone who makes my life and my living possible in the way that I do. My son is turning 18 next Jan, so he's almost done. They'll be starting university soon. Uh, my daughter is just turned 13 right now. And uh, she literally has grown up. She's only known her mother to be an entrepreneur. So that's been her word from the moment she basically uh, kind of understood what was happening. I think they find it fascinating uh, that I do so much. And I still have the time to basically check up on them and make sure that they are doing what they have to do as well. So yeah, it's... Uh, I'm just grateful for the support system that my family has given me. Because without that, I wouldn't have been able to do even a tenth of what uh, I do today.
0: Okay. As we get to the end of our chat, let us let me ask you to do some crystal ball gazing. See it as a sort of rapid fire round, um, just quick stream of consciousness answers. So I start with the first, chat GPT, AI and job loss. Whatever comes to mind when I throw these things at you?
1: Some of it, these are generational shifts that we are seeing right now. Uh, they're technological leaps that we are making as a civilization. Some jobs will uh, be lost, but more jobs will also be come to the front because of all these changes that are happening. So I think in the if you take a longer view of things, I think we are going to be much better off because all of these uh, advancements have happened. In the very immediate and short term, it will feel like we're losing jobs because of this. But that is the cycle of how technology and the economy basically works. I'm excited about it because it's changing the way that we are creating content. It's changing the way that we are even going to be consuming content. So for in my world, it's a huge uh, wave of excitement and possibility that uh, generational AI and and other technologies have opened up for us. Uh,
0: Priyanka, Brand India.
1: I think the future belongs to brand India, I, and uh, soon you'll start seeing uh, large enterprises that are built in India for the world. And that's one of the uh, vision that that's one of the visions that we have for the Good Lamb Group. We want to uh, create uh, beauty and personal care brands from India that the world will actually appreciate. The next uh, two three decades belong to India, and I'm super excited to be a tiny part uh, of uh, that. A big story.
0: The Indian economy three years down the line.
1: I think uh, we are doing extremely well right now as compared to a lot of our counterparts in the uh, in other parts of the world and I think it's only really going to get stronger. Uh, we've made big leaps in infrastructure. Hopefully continue to kind of making those leaps because that's what's going to give the backbone that we need for everything else to work well. Uh, three years is a very short time to be looking at any economy and as I said, I think in the Long term, India is basically the future
0: of next few decades. A couple of questions more. Generation Z, Generation Z. You
1: know, I've had the privilege of working with millennials when they had just come into the workforce. And I'm now old enough to now see uh, Gen Z coming into the workforce as well. I think it's a very different cohort from the one that came before it. And uh, they have a way of looking at the world that is unique. And I'm trying to understand them and how they perceive the world because you have to work with them in a way that they understand, right? So I don't think they make allowances for what you do. You have to make allowances for how they are. So I think it's a learning experience. It's uh, it's funny also in different ways because they say things that I would never dream of saying uh, say to my boss or whatever. And there's kind of how in touch they are with their feelings and how... Uh, focus they there in making sure that their mental space is sacrosanct. I think we were not like that, or uh, even millennials were not like that. So I, it's fascinating, and uh, it's the new generations here. I'm even more excited to see how will we sell to them when they become a large kind of buying and consuming cohort, because I think old modes of marketing probably won't apply, and you'll have to find different levers to push to make your products attractive to Gen Z. So I think again, huge opportunity, but very, very different.
0: Okay, uh, trends in digital media that companies need to be aware of, especially those businesses that are just starting out.
1: I think digital media at one point was a service that you felt that you could outsource to other people, right? So you'd go to a company and say, and say, hamara blog you know, or social media kar So while that is still, of course, a large part of even what we do for other brands. But uh, if you want to build your brand, if you want to build your company, you have to own a large part of the communication funnel yourself because that is what the consumer actually resonates with today. So having intermediaries and experts helping you do that is fine. But as a brand or a brand owner, you need to set the agenda and you need to take kind of control of how you are communicating with the user because uh, the user expects a personal touch to when they are being spoken to. And that's only something that the brand uh, owner can do. So I think digital media trends is a lot of personalization that's coming in and the personal touch that brands themselves are lending to the campaigns that really makes the campaigns do really well. So Marjo, for example, is one of those companies that owns that entire funnel and you can actually see a difference in how they communicate as a brand versus some other company that might not be so in touch with uh, its consumers and the communication funnel. And also, I think the second thing is it's not, it's not a good to have, right? They are, I remember times when I had to go into boardrooms and tell brands that digital media is the future and they look at me very skeptically. So, And digital media is the way that we communicate today, right? It's, so it's basically media. So I think you should almost stop calling it digital media, call it media, and the other forms can be called traditional media now.
0: It was a pleasure chatting to you. But before we close... I throw to Deepthi Sethi the CEO of PRCAI to ask you the burning communication question of the day. Deepthi over to you and Priyanka.
1: What a fascinating conversation super exciting motivational as you started so early. Uh, I almost feel like that I can call you Priyanka is the queen of digital media. And you have seen both sides of business and communications. And earlier, you mentioned that influencers will be the most important pillar of marketing. So my question is around what are the guardrails for influencer engagement, especially in this era when we need to build genuinity and consumer trust? Look, the best influencers are the ones who are the most genuine, right? So that it actually, it's a self-selecting mechanism that is already built into the medium uh, that is influencer marketing. Uh, an influencer can fake it only for so long before the audience realizes and then they don't actually do well over time. So being good at what you do, knowing the niche that you create for as an influencer and being uh, very, very uh, honest about how you are creating that content, that th- those things are core, right? So when you're looking at guardrails for influencer marketing, as a brand, it's very important for you to know which is the right influencer type for me, right? Because there's so many different types that exist. So being able to zero into the right influencer for your brand is very, very important because their values, your values have to align. And then you need to make sure that uh, there is genuine love for that influencer out there, right? And if you're able to do that, and then let the influencer have their way, right? Because if your brand values and the influencer brand values align, whatever the influencer is going to say about your brand is going to be the most resonant with the users that the influencer is uh, talking to. So I think find the right influencer, make sure that your brand values align, and then gently step out of the, the way to allow the influencer to create the best or craft the best message they can for your brand. So I think those would be my guardrails. And uh, uh, as a brand, we feel the need to overcorrect what the influencer is saying. In most cases, that's probably not a good idea if you have given a good brief, right? So yeah, I've, I mean, when we work with influencers, our job is to find the right influencers, give them a very good brief. And then allow them to talk to the users in whichever way that they see fit. Fantastic. Uh, Thank you, Priyanka. We're going to call it a day here, but really interesting. And thanks for joining on Unmute with PRCI. Thank you so much for having me and wishing you all the very best. Thank you so much.